We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, uh, what can a teen wolf do? I can smell what you're looking for. The stash? Oh, no, I checked there. Styles. Styles. This is just between you and me, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. TW. <laughs> Look at you. TW, you're going to be glad that you came to me with this. Yes, because with the right angles, Man, we're going to turn this into something monstrous. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast breaking down the on-field action of your favorite sports movies. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. This week we're talking Teen Wolf, which essentially isn't a sports movie in terms of the plot revolving around a sport, but really might have more basketball action than most basketball movies. I say basketball action in air quotes because it's probably the most awesomely bad action to ever grace the big screen. It's a real treat. If you haven't watched it, uh, definitely take a peek. Um, Was really fortunate to be joined by New York Times bestselling author Jeff Perlman, as well as his son Emmett, who dropped in with a couple good takes about the movie. I couldn't recommend Jeff's book about the USFL, Football for a Buck, anymore. It's awesome. Uh, we talked, we opened the podcast talking a little USFL movie potential. I couldn't have Jeff on and not bring up the USFL, but we, we did a couple minutes on that and then got right into Teen Wolf. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe and share with any friend who also loves sports movies. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at big underscore screen sport and Instagram at big screen sports pod for upcoming episode details and general sports movie content. And with that, it's time to get into Team Wolf with Jeff Perlman. All right, joining me tonight to break down the sports action in Teen Wolf. He's a New York Times bestselling author of books such as Gunslinger and Football for a Buck, Jeff Perlman. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? You know, I get asked to do a ton of podcasts and interviews and stuff, especially when a book is coming out. I don't think I've ever been more excited to talk about a subject than Teen Wolf. And to be completely honest, until you tweeted about Teen Wolf and I tweeted back at you, 
Um, I, I think I, I thought I had done a pretty good job of seeing most sports movies, most 80s movies. I had not seen Teen Wolf. So now after seeing Teen Wolf, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Yeah, I love that. I wouldn't actually, I mean, is it a sports movie? Eh, it has sports in it. So. That's a question I was going to ask you, actually. Let, let's address that real quick. Is this more of a high school movie or a basketball movie? What's oh. the ratio? No, it's, it's, it's about eight to one high school movie with but there's a lot of basketball in it there's a surprisingly amount a high amount of basketball in a movie about a kid who turns into a wolf so it really yeah it really is it's like it's quite the plot device but it has the movie at the same time has nothing to do with basketball which is hilarious like it's probably got more basketball than a movie like love and basketball yeah it's actually it's actually and i will say if you if you decide this holiday season to see one movie about a basketball playing teenage wolf make it teen wolf because it's the best of all of them I mean, it's incredible, and we're going to get into it here in a second, but while I've got you, I can't not talk about the USFL, because uh, you wrote Football for a Buck, it's a book. Of, it's your book about you know the history of the, the USFL, the United States Football League, it's an amazing book, I recommend everyone check it out, but the USFL, aside from some, some documentaries, the 30 for 30 in particular, seems like a, an untapped movie resource, would you like to see a, a movie made about the USFL? I would for multiple reasons. Number one, it's money. <laughs> number two, that's not the number one reason though, though, but that is nice because my, uh, my book on the Lakers showtime is currently being developed. So it's a nice thing to actually go through and see a book become something, but more number two, I just think it's a, I agree with you. There are a million ways to go with it. It could be a book about, I mean, it could be a movie where you focus on Trump and sort of his early days of being a greedy, you know, asshole. It could be a movie about sort of this renegade league with all these, crazy characters every you know I've, I've talked to a bunch of different places about it and there's definitely interest in it i don't know how much but there's definitely interest in it because one of the beautiful things is nobody owns the rights to the uniforms so with other like uh, my first book was about the 86 mets and the thing's been optioned probably seven or eight times and the catch is always the mets not being thrilled about the idea of having you know dwight gooden and daryl strawberry in with met logos snorting cocaine and stuff like that but the usfl Nobody owns the, the uniform, so you could just go full bore. Yeah, because, I mean, that was the big problem. I think the NFL had a lot to do with playmakers getting shut down mm -hmm. by sure ESPN. Did. That was mainly, yeah, I, well, that was mainly because they, they just felt uncomfortable tying football to the content. And, well, the last, yeah, the NFL, so the NFL has only optioned uh, its rights in the last, I don't know what it is, 20 or 30 years to two movies, Invincible and Draft Day. And somehow or another, uh, the movie with Will Smith, uh, concussion got around that. I don't know how, but it's just a pain. Like the biggest problem with getting uh, sports movies done that involve leagues uh, are the trademark rights. Yeah, and we we did draft a uh, about a couple months ago, and it's yeah, it, it's clear why the NFL optioned it. It's a very uh, very friendly look at the NFL and the USFL. Really, you know, it, it'd be good to have kind of a no holds bar movie. In the book, you say that a movie could be made just about the San Antonio gunslingers alone, which really appeals to me. I, mean, I live in San Antonio. Uh, oh, I just yeah. fell for the Commanders this past spring, and uh, yeah, I would I would love to see a movie. So, I mean, you could have multiple USFL movies. You could have a movie that follows the the scope of your book, and then a, you know, movies about teams, the gunslingers, the Federals. So yeah, so hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a USFL movie at some point. But you know, we we've talked about it for a couple minutes, so I think it's time to get into Teen Wolf. 
An ordinary high school student discovers that his family has an unusual pedigree when he finds himself turning into a werewolf. It was directed by Rod Daniel, starring Michael J. Fox, and somehow got a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. For Michael J. Fox, life hasn't been easy. Hello? Hi. I'm going through changes. His voice is changing. Give me a keg of beer. Is there anything wrong with me? He's got hair on his chest. He stopped being a boy. What do you think about to get worked up? At last, he's become... Scott? A wolf. An explanation is probably long overdue. Jeff, for you, is this movie a Hall of Fame, an all-star, starter, or a bench warmer? In, let's just say film, because it's not really a sports film. In film, I would say it's a starter. Like, it's an enjoyable 80s. Like, my son and I watched it, and we enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those things, it's really bad and really corny, but it's watchable. You know, it's not like Godzilla. Or movies like that where it's just not watchable. It is a watchable movie. As a sports movie, it's it's terrible. But as a movie in and of itself, an 80s movie, it's okay. It's no worse or better than like The Golden Child. If it was on TV, I would probably throw it on. I would be There would be a couple scenes of just, you know, hey, I, I got to watch this. You got, to me, just to watch Chubby playing basketball, the character Chubby. Oh, it's great. I can't wait to talk about Chubby. Uh, Chubby. A.K.A. A- uh, Stillwell, older Stillwell from uh, League of Their Own. Oh, but he was also in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, if we're just we're, if we're tying it into sports movies. Uh, before we dive into the movie, I want to read some of the IMDb trivia, because honestly, for this movie, it's great. Uh, it's, it's really, really fitting. Um, the, this is interesting. So the movie came out in 1985, same year as Back to the Future, which obviously catapulted Michael J. Fox into stardom. Uh, Scott Howard's house in this movie, Michael J. Fox played Scott Howard, was located on the same block as 1955 George McFly's house. I so, knew that one. So interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, the entire production of the film only took 21 days, which honestly seems, sure. seems long. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what they were doing with that. Right. <laughs> um. And then according to the director, Rod Daniels, Somewhere in a Vault is about an hour of the most embarrassing sports footage ever taken. And it's like they put the other hour into the movie. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's the worst basketball movie ever. If you're just taking the basketball scenes of Teen Wolf, it's the worst. The beauty is YouTube. It's all there on YouTube. And you don't have to watch a whole movie if you don't want. The basketball is amazing. It's just outstandingly bad. The entire end, which we'll talk about, which is probably the worst sporting event I've ever seen in a movie, the entire end of it is on uh, is on YouTube, which is great. Because like we did uh, a couple weeks ago, we did Summer Catch, and almost oh. none of the bad baseball action in Summer Catch is on YouTube. It's really terrible. I just want you to know, I am uh, friendly with the director of that, Mike Tolan. And um, he told me that Freddie Prince Jr., just was a brutal athlete. That's what I remember him saying. He was like the worst athlete he's ever directed in a, in a movie. We tore him apart, uh, the host, the, my guest and I, because it looked like he was like a right-handed thrower who was throwing left-handed. Yeah. I mean, not he good. not not great. Not a great But I would argue that is a better movie than Teen Wolf. That's a t- – so, I mean, so Summer Catch got an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know that off the top of my head. Rotten Tomatoes Wait, isn't every – 8 Eight in the singular. Wow. They got a Troy Aikman on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. 
And I don't know. I've had to I've had to watch watch both of them recently, obviously for this podcast. And now Teen Wolf was a first watch for me. I've seen Summer Catch like fifteen hundred times, but in terms of like a fun, not a hate watch, but like a you know what you're getting, like a cheesy watch. I think Teen Wolf is probably better. I think I would I would rather watch Teen Wolf just because it's really funny in a cheesy way. Yeah, there's also the awkwardness of um, Summer Cats when the one kid really loves like heavy women, and it was, it was like it was like way too late in the universe's existence to have those scenes. It yeah. just felt weird. That was very weird. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean that that scene wouldn't have been made uh, maybe you know five years later, but it still shouldn't have been made at that time. Yeah, yeah, that was awkward. Um, back to the IMDb trivia. This is kind of a, a staple of, of teenage movies, but uh, the actors and their ages while they were filming or oh, while, yeah. when the movie came out. Michael J. Fox was 23. That's not too bad. He looks like he could have been a high school student. I mean, he was Marty McFly yeah. the same year. Uh, Styles was 27, played by Jerry Levine. Old Chubbs, uh, played by Mark Holton, was 26. And then Mick, played by Mark Arnold, was 27. He looked 35 to me. Yeah, he did. He did. Also, he, uh, I mean, that guy, we actually, my son and I have talked about that. That guy could be your power forward. Like, he's, he's one of the few guys. You got Mick coming off the bench. I wouldn't say starter, but if you're playing high school basketball or maybe even NAIA ball, and that guy's like your backup power forward coming off the bench, kind of like a Frank Burkowski type player, Eddie Lee Wilkins. These are all guys, but he would not be the worst. He could give the shit out of a foul. That's for sure. Yeah, he did. He certainly yeah. did. Oh, he, he, he gave quite a few. Um, the, uh, the Beaver logo at the film used in the film was Oregon State's logo at the time. Yeah, that I knew. Uh, Michael J. Fox's double was Jeff Glosser, who was a college basketball player at the time. I'm not really sure when they cut him in there because it didn't. Okay. I can tell you some things about this because today my son and I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating this, preparing for this podcast. We, we, uh, we looked into it and there's a, there's a podcast that exists. I want to give them credit called the odd podcast with Joe Parisi and they had that guy on as a guest and he was not a, um, he was Michael J. Fox's stunt double. He told the whole story. It was really good. He was a student at Loyola Marymount. Someone who was working with the film Teen Wolf, the guy who ended up playing the ref in the movie was a scout for the Dallas Mavericks. He knew Paul Westhead, the coach at Loyola Marymount at the time that they needed someone who could fit the suit and the wolf suit. Michael J. Fox is five foot three. So you weren't going to be able to say, oh, let's get Bo Kimball or Hank Gathers in here to wear the wolf suit. You need a small guy. He called um, Paul West said the coach of Loyola Marymount because they shot near there and said, do you know anyone small who's a good basketball player? And this kid did not play basketball at Loyola Marymount, but he was always around the basketball team playing pickup. And that's how he got the gig. That's amazing. I need to track him down. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think you, he's a uh, he's a Grand Canyon State right now. He's a uh, he works in sports at Grand Canyon State. At least he did two years ago. That is that is amazing. Oh, one more thing about him. They misspelled his name in the credits. So Michael J. Fox fought for him to get his name in the credits, but he wasn't SAG. So they were kind of iffy about it. And they put his name in, but someone accidentally misspelled his name. That's brutal. But it also affirms my belief that Michael J. Fox is a really good guy. Like, I always like to think very highly of him. Yeah. So that, that makes me feel good. Um, yeah. all the basketball moves were planned, like actually blocked out. Michael J. Fox asked if they could try playing unscripted. The director briefly let them come up with their own moves, but apparently it didn't go very well, which I'm imagining is that hour of terrible basketball footage. I, I am shocked that the movie, the moves we saw were planned out. I mean, 
I feel like they had to be though, because no one can, no one naturally playing basketball can do a lot of the stuff that they were doing. Yeah, it does I, take great athleticism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> guys. Oh, I mean, I encourage anyone who hasn't seen this movie to really, to really go see it and watch the, uh, and and watch the, um, watch the basketball action at least. Like, go on YouTube yeah. and and do that. But the whole movie is worth it. The whole movie is super corny. And then um, the the last thing that's kind of plot related, uh, Scott was going to start the final basketball game as the werewolf, but the director decided to have Scott play himself, play the whole game as himself. A kind of you know, he, you can you can do it on your own. Which is a, a question I have for you. So they they lost by like what sixty points the first game when it was just normal before the werewolf shows up for Teen Wolf. Yeah, they were not they were not good. They were not good. There's no way a little belief and confidence can make up for a 60 point deficiency in talent. There's just no I mean, way it happens. I mean, if we're going to dive into this, which I would love to let's dive into uh, it. Let's dive into it. Okay. First of all, Michael J. Fox, he's their starting point guard, right? And um, he cannot dribble without looking down at the ball. So your starting point guard, and this is the division championship game. Your starting point guard can't dribble without looking down at the ball. You're starting. I think power forward is Chubbs who shoots from his chest and I mean, Chubbs is preposterous. There are scenes in this movie where Chubbs, he rebounds, he waits for the ball to come to his midsection and then grabs it. That's a rebound for Chubbs. So anyone with any athleticism is, uh, is starting over Chubbs. Um, the championship game, this is truly amazing. So the championship game is like, he's like, we can do it. We can do it ourselves. I'm not bringing the wolf out. So it's a third quarter with 424 left in the third quarter. They're losing 36 to to 14, right? They're 22 points down in the third quarter. But the music has you think they're right in this thing. Michael J. Fox is trash-talking Mick, right? Um, It's it's so proposed. A team that's down 22 points in the third quarter is out of the game. At that point, if you're the coach, you're saying to Michael J. Fox, you either become the wolf right now or you can just leave the gym. Because this team has no firepower. The team has right. no, you know, any anything to, to hold its hat on. They they stink. Yeah, they're terrible. And he's your best player. Oh, my favorite thing is there's a sign in the gym, if you look closely, that says, all the way to stakes, right? This is played in the state of California. A, so you're basically saying a five foot three point guard who can't dribble looking up. Chubbs as your power forward who can't rebound unless the ball comes to his chest. And in the state of California, a state that produced at this time period, you had you had guys coming up were Gary Payton, Jason Kidd, yet I mean, high high level basketball players across the board. And you're telling me that Michael J. Fox and Chubbs are carrying that team to states? I'm just not buying it. I need Gary Payton guarding Chubbs like I need air <laughs> to breathe, like I have to see it. I feel like Gary Payton would be on Michael J. Fox because it'd be point guard point guard. Oh, the, but oh, he would talk a trash to Chubbs. The trash talk between Gary Payton and Chubbs would be legendary. Gary Payton would trash talk uh, Michael J. Fox into turning into the wolf in about 15 seconds. <laughs> he would, actually. And then he would psych the wolf out of his game. Even the wolf would be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, so the main – a big question I have for you, though, is hypothetically you're watching a high school basketball game. There's a, there's a jump ball. There's a, there's a dive. Some guys dive for a ball. One of the kids gets up. And he, he's a fucking werewolf. Like, what? And everyone, like, 
is everyone just cool with it? Do they let him dribble a little bit and dunk and then like the ref blows the whistle and it's like, hey, you know, this is normal. Or is does everyone evacuate the gym? He's like tranked, shot, something. Uh, I think that's my favorite scene in the movie is this when he, when Scott turns into the wolf for the first time. It takes everyone about 20 seconds and they're just like, yeah, this is normal. Let's just play the game. Play the game as it goes. Wait, Kyle, I want to answer you a favor. Yes. My son is sitting right next to me, and he actually broke this entire thing down today. He literally, we were driving. Can I just have him? Oh, get him on here. Yeah, get him on here. Hit it. All right, this is Emmett, and he's 12. Emmett, you heard the question, right? Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead. Explain. What would happen if you're playing basketball and a wolf disappears? Okay, well, like, like werewolves, everywhere a werewolf appears, it's not like a friendly cuddles the bear kind of werewolf. It's like a kill you going to eat you werewolf so why in they when they see a werewolf they're like oh you know maybe this one's friendly (laughs) i would kill this werewolf he's so scary like they're just assuming the werewolf's gonna be friendly and nice and oh he's on our basketball team how do you know he doesn't eat you like a chicken no one runs not one person is like you know what i'm gonna get out of here before this guy goes crazy yeah it's a really also who'd want to guard him yeah who'd want to guard him sweaty and furry what do you, are you going to play man defense? Are you, your coach has got to go zone. Once a wolf appears, you're going zone. It's, I mean, it's gross. It, it, well, so, okay, but who's who's sweatier and nastier to guard, the, the wolf or Chubbs? Oh, yeah. I think Chubbs. Let me think Chubbs. Probably. Yeah, Chubbs, Chubbs has Chubbs. Uh, Chubbs has Philip Seymour Hoffman in uh, Along Came Polly vibes. Yeah, he does, actually. And also, like, um, I just think, so I'm a 47-year-old journalist who was the 12th man on his high school basketball team um, on not a very good team. And I would be the star on that team. Like I would be averaging 17 and 12 for the Beavers. That's how bad. If Chubbs is your starting, if Chubbs is your starting anything, if he's on your team, if he even tries out for your team and lasts more than a day, your team is not going to states. Yeah, every now and then I hypothetically wonder, like, how many points could I score in, like, a, a five-on-five of made up of third graders? And this is kind of like that on, on screen. Yeah. No, but, you're, at, you're going uh, – wait, how old are you, Kyle? You're 27? I'm 28. You're 28. How tall are you? I am 5'7 on a good day. All right. You know what? You are the Gary Payton of the Beavers. Like, you are owning the Beavers. You are their key to going all the way to states. And if, the, if Scott isn't playing as the Wolf, you're starting a point guard, Scott, sitting on the bench because he can't dribble looking up. I'll tell you what the the Beavers have, though. They have one thing that's great. And it, cheerleaders. I, the, well, they have the cheerleaders, but I think they have the best character in the movie, and that is Coach Finstock, who is amazing. Ah, love him. Character actor also has been in, was in a, a million different shows uh, through the years. I do agree with you. He's kind of the beaten down, resigned, doesn't really care. Wolf is here. This is great. Uh, coach, I think he would be the um, he's sort of the unspoken star of that film. I want you to pick the best, the best coach Finstock line. So we've got uh, that fat kid's got a great arm after Chubbs hums the ball out of bounds. Uh, yeah. well, Christ Thorne, look at the sneakers those guys are wearing. If our guys had sneakers like that, there's no telling what they could do. And then, uh, right before his team's game, saying it's okay, guys, it'll all be over in an hour, which is amazing. And yeah, then, no, that to me is the money line. So I, there's more because my two these are my two favorites. Uh, Scott comes to him and he's talking to him about you know he's he's trying to do that you know I got some problems or whatever. Oh no, oh, those kind of problems. Yeah, what is it? Drugs, girls. Boy, I sure like to help you, but I'm really tapped out this month. 
The IRS is breathing down my neck like it's some kind of personal vendetta against Bobby Finstock. <laughs> that is very good. And then the last one, I think it's something that we all can live by. Let me give you a little advice. There's three rules that I live by. Never get less than 12 hours sleep. Never play cards with a guy who's got the same first name as a city. And never go near a lady who's got a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Now you stick with that. Everything else is cream cheese. Yeah, that's pretty good. That might be the winner. You're actually right. And that one does get a lot of play when you read all the millions of people talking about Team Wolf Light right now. That is a big line. He might be one of the better sports movie characters ever if you classify this movie as a sports character. Like, sneaky underrated. Like, I'm very upset that I didn't know about this just because of this guy. You know, he was on the shortlist to take over for Gene Hackman if Gene Hackman got fired as the coach in Hoosiers. They're going to hire Finstock and bring him in to turn around the program. Uh, I'd be perfect. Can you imagine Finstock talking, telling uh, Jimmy Chitwood about that? About the uh, <laughs> women with a, a tattoo of a dagger on her body? Yeah, or having to uh, kick the other parents out of the gym. I think he'd be much more harsh about it than uh, less diplomatic than uh, the coach in Hoosiers. Yeah, I, I would pay a significant amount of money to get a version of Hoosiers where Finstock is the coach. I think I would, I would honestly really enjoy that. Well, why don't we forget about a USFL movie and just make a Finstock movie? I would, I, I mean, I would be all in just a fix. Like, so what is, what is Finstock? What, like, what's got, I need to see him get to this point. I need to see him, I need to see him one, learn not to play cards with a guy who's the same first name as the city. And definitely I need to see him get involved with a woman with a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Yeah, this is easy. He was a walk on at UNLV. He was like a five, eight scrappy guard, senior of high school. Thought he could walk on at UNLV, busted his ass, got cut, but uh, Tarkanium kept him as like the, the equipment manager. He starts hanging out in the seedy parts of UNLV. He goes in the deep debt. He starts playing professional basketball in Tijuana. And he starts, you know, while he's there, he plays cards with some guy named Manhattan and, uh, <laughs> you know, gives all his money, falls in love and marries after two nights a woman with a dagger tattoo. And, you know, she leaves him. And now he's coaching in some podunk town in California. I'm all in on that movie. Done. Like empty my wallet. I'll see it opening night. I would also okay. see a movie where Finstock goes back to UNLV and he's there with like Larry Johnson and Greg Anthony. He's like an assistant coach. He's on the end of the bench. I, I would definitely pay to see that movie. And you know what? It turns out he has, he never uses eligibility. So he's like 31, never uses eligibility because he didn't make the team. Uh, they lose a lot of players because of uh, scandals. They need to fill the roster. Give me Finstock. Finstock, are you in shape? Yeah, coach, I can do it. Enroll in some classes and get a uniform. Next thing you know, he's hitting the game-winning winning shot against Weber State in the last game of the season, and they go 1-27. I need a Finstock movie in my life so badly. He was yeah. he was just like, he was perfectly sprinkled in this movie. Like, that's one thing that this movie did legitimately very well, was it like it has this prized asset, didn't overuse him, just kind of sprinkled him when you really needed him. Like they didn't overdo it. It was it was really well done. I've got a I've got two I've two questions for you. We're we're both fathers. I gotta ask about Harold. Harold Harold is Scott's dad. Harold not giving Scott a heads up that hey this might be something that happens is an all time bad dad move. That's like um, not having the puberty talk with your kid times a million. Oh yeah, right. You know, one day you might uh you know blah 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 have some hair in your chest. Like, as a dad, you're required to give that talk. I feel like if my son were a werewolf, I would probably tell him, you're going to be a werewolf. It's some, it seems at some point, 
you got to tell the kid he's going to be a world. It's yeah, almost I mean, like uh, parents, if there's a chance that it's going to happen. Well, you, I, I just think like you hear about parents who don't tell their kids they were adopted and then they're 25 and they find out they're adopted. Uh, and the parents who kind of let them know from the very beginning, you know, we love you, but blah, blah, blah. They're much more, you know, healthy and prepared for life knowing. I feel like as a baby, if you're like, look, little Scotty, um, here's a toy. What a where was he? Here's a toy uh, mouse. You may want to chase this one day in the yard. Chicken. Chicken. <laughs> you may want to chase a chicken in the yard. I think he'd be better prepared for when he starts actually chasing chickens in the yard. Yeah. And then then he has the scene. There's the classic scene where he 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 turns into a wolf in the bathroom and then his he opens the door. His dad's a wolf too. And then you'd think any natural kid, even if you're pissed at your dad for not warning you, you'd have a million questions because there's only one person in the world who could answer those questions. And instead, Scott just storms to the bedroom and he's basically like, I'm not talking to you. Like, really? Really? Yeah. You don't have, you're just going to like sit in there as a wolf and you're like, man, I wonder what's going on, but I'm definitely not going to talk to my dad who definitely knows what's going on. An explanation is probably long overdue. An explanation? Jesus Christ, Dad, an explanation? Look at me. Look at you. It's not as bad as it looks. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Dad. You mean you knew about this? You knew about this and you didn't tell me? I was hoping I wouldn't have to. Sometimes it skips a generation. I was hoping it would pass you by. Well, Dad, it didn't pass me by. It landed on my face. What the hell am I going to do? Well, you know, it was a very, um, in all seriousness, the movie was a very, it was a very paint-by-numbers approach. You know, you can always tell, we talk about this, my son and I talk about this a lot. You'll see movies, and you could see the makers of the movie trying to put themselves in the minds of who they're making the movie for. And this was obviously geared toward teenagers in the mid-1980s, and this idea of going through puberty uh, you know, like the scene when he goes into the liquor store to get the beer. It was clearly like the view of a whatever, 35-year-old movie maker, what it would be like for a 17-year-old kid to go into a store, a liquor store, and try to buy beer. Like a lot of these things are always overthought and underthought. Um, you could have had actually a really great scene with Scott and his dad discussing sort of this whole wolf thing in a real, in a real productive way. Instead, you're right. It was ridiculous. I mean, there's another at, at the end of the podcast, we kind of talk about, you know, I normally say, how would you improve the movie? And I mean, and this one has a whole laundry list, but there's just real quick. There's an alternate Teen Wolf movie like th that could be made that's like legitimately very good. And it's like a very good metaphor for like talking to your kids and father son relationships and being a teenager. There's a good version of this movie and good sports action. It's just not it's not right here. I agree, but I will tell you this. So it came out in 85. I turned 13 in 1985. People freaking love this movie. I don't care what Rotten Tomato says. Every kid I knew went to see Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf was a huge, 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 huge movie. Like a huge movie. It wasn't Back to the Future huge, but it was enormous. So, you know, in hindsight, we're all, oh, this movie is stupid and blah, blah, blah. It was a gigantic sort of thing at the time. So... Well, Say I mean, what, we what it has going for it is it has Michael J. Fox, who at that time was turning yeah. into like the hottest young star in Hollywood. I mean, he just Back to the Future still is one of the biggest movies ever. Um, so, you know, if they had cast someone, if they had cast the guy who played Styles as Scott, then, you know, maybe you never even hear about this movie. Well, the other thing is, though, honestly, is like this was at the very beginning. I was just telling my wife the other day, this was around the time when people were getting uh, VCRs. 
So like, I remember we got Ghostbusters and we got uh, the Big Chill on VCRs, and it was a huge deal. So movies at the time were big. Like you were going to see movies because they were these things that you did not have access to at home. So I remember E.T. coming out, the hugeness of E.T. coming out, Back to the Future coming out, any Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop, Beverly Hills Cop 2. They were huge events. And yeah, a big part of it is Michael J. Fox, but he was kind of on the rise at that point. He wasn't enormous, enormous, enormous in an Eddie Murphy kind of way. Um, it just was a teen movie, and teen movies back then were a different thing than they are now. Like, they don't really exist in that way now, but they were big events to go to with your friends. You go like, you're either going to the roller rink, you're hanging, where I'm from, you're going to the roller rink, you're hanging out the 7-Eleven parking lot, you're going to the mall, or you're going to a movie. Yeah, I mean, I can see where this movie would be really appealing, especially in the 80s. I mean, and, and they've been making, you know, cheesy, bad, but good teenage movies for, for years. I mean, that the 90s were built on that. Yeah. Um, shout out to Freddie Prince Jr., uh, the guy yeah. we talked about. He made, it, he made a living on that. Uh, yeah. I've got another question about Harold. Harold and Boof, uh, the, the girl that Scott ends up with, his best friend, the classic best friend, but, oh, wait, she's, yeah. you know, I actually want to date her. Them, like, the scene of them playing basketball – Gave yeah. me the weirdest vibes. Like she's just over there playing one on one with Scott's dad dressed in business attire. Yeah, they gave me uh, real. I had real weird vibes between Harold and Boof. Wait, I'll tell you something interesting. So yesterday, my daughter plays water polo, and yesterday uh, there were a bunch of kids, and one of her friends needed a ride home, and I said to my wife, "I can drive her home." And my wife said, "No, that would be kind of weird. Like that wouldn't be right, you know." Like, and you're, I was like, "Oh yeah, you're actually right. That wouldn't be like." So just like driving a teenage girl home, if you're a dad, kind of weird. Playing one-on-one basketball in the driveway. I'm just going to go over and play basketball with your dad. Uh, yeah, definitely crosses a line you wouldn't be doing in, in the 2000s. And then they're in the stands in the last game, and they're like super giggly and talking to each other. Scott's mom, nowhere to be seen. She's not going to these games. She She's the only person who realizes that Scott's mom is like, this team is shitty. We're, I'm not going to watch this team. But Harold and Boof are just out there, just chummy. Just really, really strange. Also, everyone's really too excited to watch. I mean, again, I went to a high school with a much better basketball program than this. Not an amazing program. And we weren't drawing half the crowds that they were getting to this game, even before Team Wolf. And that um, people are way too excited in this town for subpar basketball. Yeah, well, I mean, it was more like going to the circus, though. I mean, there was a legitimate, there was a wolf there. Because before sure. before the they came, it was like they had seven people there. I guess you're actually, that's a fair point. So I was going to say, like, even even for the worst team ever, I feel like you'd get more than seven people. You'd at least get, like, you know, eight sets of parents there. I mean, there was no one there. Even the parents weren't coming to those games. I mean, it's possible this was a California beach town, and people were just, like, hanging out at the beach and, you know, it, you know. It's hard enough to get people to go to a Dodgers game around here. So that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, the principal Thorn. I kind of want to do a re- requiem for that guy. That guy is owed an apology. He's the only person in that entire town who was seeing things the right way. Who's yeah. like, hey, maybe it's a bad idea to have a werewolf on the basketball team. Like, yeah. maybe these people are actually dangerous. And then he just he doesn't get any. He just gets like he gets turned into the bad guy. He just gets intimidated by Harold. It's a really tough look. It was also a really tough year for for Michael J. Fox and principals, because in yeah. Back to the oh, Future, yeah. he's disliked by the principal too. They're very very uh, similar plot points. And also in Back to the Future, if you think about it, the principal was right too. This kid didn't even go to the school. 
Like he was not even enrolled in the school and he's just hanging out in the hallway. So, I mean, it just shows up. So I think I actually agree with you. And, and uh, I'm just saying for me personally, I've never been a principal, but if I were a principal at a, uh, at a high school and a kid turns into a wolf, I mean, there was a big enough deal in the eighties when Ryan White came down with, came out with HIV and the fear and the anxiety over a kid with HIV in the 80s. Imagine a werewolf shows up in your school. I mean, what do you, if you're the parent, you're like, is this, is this kid going to go to class? Is he going to be in math class sitting next to my daughter tomorrow? Can she have chicken in her lunchbox? Um, are high pitched noises going to set him off and he's going to kill everyone? It just seems like the principal is, uh, is correct his assessment. I would agree with you. Yeah, he is the most misunderstood character in this movie. It was really disappointing. Just really, yep. I, I'm just astounded by all the adults. If this movie gets gets remade, although, I mean, I think they they did the TV show or whatever on MTV, but if this movie yep. is, is made a little better, there's a little more backlash to there being a wolf besides some of the guys just like, besides Mick. Mick, too. Mick was just like, hey, this guy's... By the way, Mick and Pamela, all-time villainous movie couple. Just terrible, toxic couple, both of them. I agree. And she was a user. Oh, she was just, she awful. just wanted the wolf. Awful. Terrible. Oh, so wait, my son just pointed to something we wrote down yesterday. That's important. There's a, the worst line in the movie by far, but I think so. One of the worst lines is they're playing basketball. The team's getting killed. It's a championship game. And Mick foul Scott and Scott's laughing. And Scott says, or Mick says, what's so funny, dork. And Scott <laughs> goes, that's four fouls. One, one more and you're out of there. Like, there were a million things wrong with that line. Number one, like, wow, thanks. He didn't understand how fouls work in basketball. Thanks for explaining that there, Michael J. Fox. Um, number two, the look he gives. Just the dorkiest, loserest look of all time. He says it, and the sideways smile. And then they pan flash to Mick, and Mick is like, oh, wow, wait, he's right. I should stop fouling. And then, wait, we didn't even talk about the most important thing. Michael J. Fox, who can't shoot free throws, I mean, for the, he's like, Chucking up a freaking the jump, rash. the jump shot free throw is awful. That guy's shooting, I say for the year, about 16% on free throws. But the last scene, he gets two free throws to win the game, and the ref allows Mick to stand beneath the basket. He's fouled out, all the players are off the court. Mick is allowed to stand there under the basket. Now, if you're a ref, I mean, you, you kick the kid out, that's all you do, you kick him out. The coach comes over and says, Mick, you can't stand there. Oh, coach, I hate this kid. Mick, I don't care. I'm going to cut you if you don't get out from under the basket. All right. And then he hits his free throws. Totally inappropriate. After his, like, he's already had, like, three or four flagrant fouls. Like, it wasn't like Mick was just getting caught up in foul trouble. It wasn't like he was, like, Shaq or something just, just hacking someone. Mick was just throwing shoulders. It was just, I mean, Mick would have been thrown out of the game in the first quarter. He was just dropping guys. And he was just taking it at, like, Scott wasn't even there. Also, can we talk, Scott just shows up in the middle of the first quarter? Just yeah, like... That's not cool. Yeah, like, if, if he wasn't going to well, play as the Wolf, just sit his ass on the bench anyways. Yeah, that's a thing. Wait, Emmett wants to make one basketball point. Go ahead. Yeah, hit it, Emmett. He could have, like, Mick could have had, like, three technical fouls at that point. <laughs> on the foul... When he when he said like what's so funny, Dork, he literally threw him to the ground and started trash talking him. Yeah. Which is like very, very against the rules technical. Yeah, he should have been out of there. Yeah. There's a lot of Spreewell in Mick. Oh yeah, a lot of Latrell Spreewell. He I mean he didn't choke his coach, but he might have been Teen Wolf too. Yeah, but we also we can't discount that Mick throws down an effortless two handed jam in the first game. 
Mick can just fly, gets his head above the rim and throws it down. It's so awesome. What's a what's a better athletic feat, like crazy athletic feat? Mick's two-handed slam or Chubbs's like hook shot that he like throws the ball from his hip and makes like a half-court hook shot. It's amazing. Wait, you need you need to watch that. I'm not kidding. That Chubbs hook shot is just at Vince Carter slamming over Frederick Weiss in the Olympics. He he takes the hook, he winds up for the hook shot. He takes it. If you watch closely, the defender jumps a good three seconds after Chubbs releases the ball for no reason whatsoever. And the ball goes in. And the other thing is that we haven't even discussed it's important. Every time Chubbs or most anyone makes a basket, they all jump on top of each other. Like, number one, you're down by 18. Number two, as you're jumping down, up and down on people, they're on this fast break just scoring at will. But they celebrate every – you just tell nobody knew a thing about basketball except the guy who is – Michael J. Fox's uh, wolf double. He must have been dying. There are so many scenes where someone goes up for a shot or someone goes up for a layup and a defender like flailing flies right past them. I mean, it's amazing. And then there, when uh, Michael J. Fox is first playing as the wolf and they're setting up him blocking guys, it's very evident that the actors are just lobbing the ball up so he can catch it and like bring it down. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It is it is truly a special, special basketball movie. Yeah, and I can tell you just from listening to that podcast, the guy who uh, who doubled for Michael J. Fox, he said um, he did it all in three days at a gym in, in Southern California. Michael J. Fox was thrilled to have three days out of the suit. They shared a suit. The suit ended up selling at an auction for 800 bucks a couple of years ago online, but they shared a suit. The guy wasn't really getting paid very much, and he said Michael J. Fox gave him uh, 1500 under the table. And then uh, invited him to a bunch of cast parties and also a bunch of family ties tapings. I'm so here for Michael J. Fox just being a good yeah. guy. Like this guy just just backing up Michael J. Fox. One more thing about the final game that's amazing is the music. It is. Oh. I have like uh, when doing this podcast, I when I insert clips in, I've been very careful about not using like just music just because I don't want to get get popped for that because I've heard of that. I, I'm going to do my best to put the music in because it is horrendous in the best way. Wait, it was, um, my son was a big fan of this. It's called Win the End, right? Win the End? Win in the End. Uh, win in the End. Yes, and it goes on forever. Yeah, we tried finding that. Emmett tried finding that song today on iTunes and could not find it. The it's clip is song. on YouTube, though. I mean, it's like, I, I was thinking it's like um, someone with wh- whoever made the movie Warner Brothers, whoever was like, let's get let's get a really good Depeche Mode song. And like, we spent $15,000 making the wolf suit, man. We can't afford Depeche Mode. And they're like, well, what if, is the cure available? No, the cure's not available. We can't afford sticks. No sticks. I have a friend. He's a friend's brother, actually. His name's Mark. He plays guitar a little bit. He'll do it for three hundred bucks. Can you get him for one fifty? I probably can. Sold. There he is. Well, and it's also like you know, hey, we could uh, we could get a guy with a, with a piano or a synth or something, and he can just make us some some action like sounding music. You know, like kind of like we could just we'll just rip off the Hoosiers music. We'll make it sound similar, but not the same. And it's like, no, we gotta have lyrics. Gotta have lyrics. It's basically like you took. Eminem's Lose Yourself or even Eye of the Tiger by Survivor did a 180 and came up with this. It's amazing. 
Yeah. It's amazing. Also, I, I forgot about one of my other one of the other best lines in the movie. We we weirdly haven't talked about Styles at all. His best buddy Styles, yeah. uh, surfs up Styles. Yeah. Uh, Styles's line when Scott comes to him, it's before he knows he's a werewolf, and he's trying to be like kind of serious. He's like, you know, do I have a rash or I think I'm coming down with something or whatever. And Styles somehow gets to. Uh, I heard the shop teacher got his dick caught in a vacuum, which I like. I almost spit out what I was drinking. Yeah, that is pretty good, actually. That was a good Styles one. Is a, uh, Styles is a staple character. There was always one of those guys, the goofy, wisecracking, uh, you know, best friend sort of figure in the movie. You need, all those movies from the 80s had a Styles, uh, and Styles ended up on a lot of T-shirts. Guys like that were always on T-shirts in the 80s. Yeah, well, let's, let's go into the, the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. The nominees, I've got Coach Finstock. I've already... I've already made yeah. it clear how much, how highly I think of Coach Finstock, uh, Chubbs, Styles, and then Boof. I guess Boof was like she was nice. I felt bad not including her as a nominee, but I, I don't think she's a contender. Now, why would you not get Mick in there? So I, as far as my favorite, like Mick, I loved the, uh, I love that he was supposed to be like the intimidating bad guy, and I, the dance, the dance floor fight is amazing because yeah. Mick does the the perfect hold me back guy thing when he gets yep. his shirt ripped and as soon as his buddies grab him to stop him like there's a pause where mick could have really gone at the wolf and fought him if he wanted to but then yep. his buddies grab him and then mick starts doing like the they're holding me back thing guy um but yeah i i, the, I thought the other characters just brought themselves ahead above mick would it do you think it would have helped mick if he was clawed and savage to death by the wolf where then would he have maybe raises stature on your list yeah he might he might actually win and you know actually he'd probably come in second to finstock but yeah if if mick gets uh because i mean if if i would have loved to have seen mick the only person who was dumb enough to challenge a werewolf to a fight i would have loved to have seen him gotten just murdered in the middle of that dance yeah that's fair all right i'll go with finstock too i i've you sold me I had Mick written down, but I think I think we go with Finstock. Yeah, we go with Finstock. Yeah, fi- yeah. I mean Finstock. I mean old UNLV player coach Finstock. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Um, you know where he is right now. Finstock's in a bar somewhere, smoking a cigarette and talking about the time he coached a wolf. Uh, yeah, Finstock has also changed his name to like Hartford or something. <laughs> his name is now like Hartford Finstock. He's finally like living his own advice. He's going to Bramson, Missouri, to play cards, telling stories about the wolf. No one believes him. Dating a woman with a fucking machete tattoo on her bicep. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, one of the last categories to do on every podcast is the big chill. Every sports movie, every good sports movie has a big chill moment. Um, think Roy Hobbs knocking out the lights in, uh, in The Natural. This one I want to go with a big stupid chill. What, what gave you the stupid chills the most? I've got three nominees and then feel free to, to tag in like right. 17 more. Uh, the surf in USA when he's the wolf and he's surfing on the, uh, on the, on the van, on the new, the wolf mobile. I, I just want to say, I guarantee you some kid in the eighties died a hundred percent guarantee a hundred percent. If that had, if that had come out now, there would have, like, it would have turned into like the Wolfman challenge on YouTube. And some kid would have like gotten picked. <laughs> some kid would have been doing a handstand on a, uh, on a car and just gotten like picked off by a light or something. Um, and then everyone would have tweeted and would have been like, hashtag idiot surfer and nobody would have had empathy and they just would have mocked the poor kid for getting killed. absolutely 
Uh, the last free throw that you mentioned with uh, it's supposed to be so intense with Mick just staring down Scott while he's taking his jump free throws. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, and then the uh, the dance fight that that I just mentioned with Mick as well because it's supposed to be like super intense. And it is yeah. it is anything but. Do you have any other nominees? Does Emmett have any other nominees? Yeah. yeah, I think my son and I actually disagree with you on this one. We both believe the 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 scene in that movie where you're just like, I can't believe I'm watching this, is the singular moment when Chubbs is below the boards and people are flying around him and he gets a rebound by hugging the ball. Like literally, the ball is coming off the glass. It's coming to him and he's waiting there with open arms. And I'm sure they said to the actor, all right, you're just going to rebound the ball. And he was like, oh, I can rebound the ball, sure. And the ball comes to him, and he opens his arms like he's giving someone a hug. And he grabs the ball that way. And it's like supposed to be this big moment in the championship game where Chubbs is showing his might. It is so utterly preposterously bad and laughable um, that every time I see it, I mean, I've tweeted about it a million times in my life because it just gives me the the hurly the hurls. Did you notice the first game right before Chubbs uh, throws the ball into the stands or throws it out of bounds when he's gotten that rebound in kind of the same manner? Someone like off camera, I think, yells, everybody's open. It's, it's the best. But I don't think I can argue Chubbs getting that rebound is, is just awful. In the best way. In the best way. Also, like, I just want to say, like, there's a point. Okay. I can't get off this point, so I think it's important. It's 46-14 with 424 left in the third, okay? Nick makes a layup. So it's now 38 to 14. It was 36-14. Now it's 38-14. Here's another thing about Teen Wolf. It's 38-14. The next time they go to the clock with 309 left, so a minute and something later, it's 36-25. So somehow, and I'm not saying it's not possible in this league, the uh mixed team lost two points. I feel like that's something something about Mick. Mick did something. Maybe he got the three technicals my son is talking about, and they just said, "We're not. We're going to keep you in the game. We're taking two points off the board for you." They set the movie up perfectly. Like legitimately, when I was watching it, I thought they were setting up the movie for him to just be like, "You know what? The wolf is part of this team. He got us here. He's going to like win the game for us." When they were getting their ass kicked, I was like, "Oh, he's going to turn into the wolf, and they're going to win." Um, also, yeah, the just, wolf. Wait, let me go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just all right. They're down thirty-eight to fourteen in late in the third quarter. I feel like Duke. If you took Duke's basketball team from last year and had them play like the Brooklyn Nets, and and the Nets are down thirty-eight to fourteen, they're probably not catching up. So there's no way. There's no way that Chubbs and the gang are catching up down thirty-eight fourteen with the non-Wolf playing point guard. Just not. This happening. has been a tough pod for Chubbs. Yeah, Chubbs really tough, good. tough pot. Chubbs is a disgrace. So how do how would you improve this movie? No Chubbs. No Chubbs. You'd really get rid of Chubbs. No, all right, number one, you gotta like clearly like they did not train these guys to play basketball. I really mean that. I actually like you got to go training camp on these guys. All right, we're gonna take six weeks. All we're gonna do is play basketball. We're gonna work on basketball, 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 basketball. Because otherwise, it's a totally fine, mediocre but fun '80s movie. But the basketball is so ruinous, it's just preposterous. Like, it's so bad. Like, did they not? Nobody said to Michael J. Fox, there's no way anyone said to Michael J. Fox before this movie, what is your basketball experience? There's no way. See, you and I are going a different direction 
Because I would think just like cheese it up more. One thing they didn't do, they didn't make the wolf look that good. Like he could slide on the ground and dribble and yeah, he could dunk. But he didn't look like that. He wasn't doing anything like super crazy. Like he was doing a bunch of blocks. Like he didn't look any better than like a Giannis or something. Like someone who's just really good at basketball already. Like make him supernatural. Let him take off from the three point line and dunk. Like if you're going to have the worst basketball action on earth, go all out, man. Like just what go all that? out. Set up a what? Chubbs dunk. How awesome would a Chubbs dunk be? That would be. Wait, let me ask you this. How about this in the movie? So the wolf comes out, whatever. He scores 30 and, and a half. I mean, certainly modern days, but I would even say in the 80s. I think next game, John Thompson, Bayheim, Tarkanian, they're at the gym. Like, they're there to see the wolf. I think that would really have added something. If While all this is going on, and he's having these troubles with Booth and the blonde girl. He's also getting recruited by Division One programs. And he's He also, like, Cal State Bakersfield, the local school, also wants him and there's this real tug whether to stay home with his family because his dad's a wolf too or go off the for the riches of Syracuse paying him under the table. There's a scene where Scott gets home and there's just like a briefcase of cash in his bedroom. <laughs> him and his dad have a long heart-to-heart on if he should take money. Right. And then He and, goes and, on a recruiting trip. <laughs> he goes on a recruiting trip to UNLV. Bunch of hookers, coke, all waiting for him. The, the, the women are all naked with wolf sprayed across their, their, their chests. It's a whole different movie. He goes to talk to Finstock about it, and Finstock's just like, man, the NCAA, they're criminals. They're criminals. Get your money. <laughs> Finstock just wants him to take the benefits. Maybe Wolf is the first guy to go straight to the NBA. Oh, that's a, that's a great movie right there. Finstock quits. He serves as his agent. Basically, I don't want another movie about Teen Wolf without Finstock involved in some way. But yeah. like Finstock is his agent. He's in the 85 lottery. <laughs> Changes everything. It changes. It changes. I mean, actually, it really changes history because Len Bias, maybe Len Bias doesn't go second to Boston. Len Bias goes third. The Wolf goes second after Brad Darty. He's playing in Boston with Bird and, <laughs> and McHale, and the Celtics dynasty continues. Although that was the 86 draft, 85. 85. 80, was it was 85 not the Ewing year? I thought 84. Wasn't 84 uh, Jordan, 80, 85 Ewing? Yeah, you are correct. So, 80, all right, 85. I say Ewing still goes first, but then Seattle doesn't take. Uh, no, Wayman Tisdale went second to Indiana. So I think you have uh, the Wolf going to Indiana, taking that Wolf like sort of values to the heartland. He's definitely better than Tisdale. You pair him with Reggie Miller a few years later, it's a freaking really good backcourt. Too many farm animals in Indiana to have the Wolf around. <laughs> that's that's questionable. You know, I will tell you. Against wolves. I will tell you one thing that this movie did perfectly, and that I was really happy to see the second I turned it on. Hour and thirty-two minute runtime. You don't get that anymore. No, that's really good. It's it's amazing, really and it's perfect right. for a rewatch. And it was perfect to to cover on this podcast, Jeff and Emmett. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time tonight to cover this movie. I had a I had a blast, Jeff. Where can the people uh, follow you on Twitter, and, and when is that uh, that new Showtime book dropping? Oh, uh, I, uh, I'm on at Jeff Perlman and my next book doesn't come out till next year. So 2020 still a while. We'll definitely go check out football for a buck. Uh, his book on the USFL. It's an awesome read. Jeff and Emmett. Thank you both for coming on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of big screen sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Uh, follow us on social media on Twitter at big underscore screen sport and Instagram at big screen sports pod. 
and tune in next Thursday when we cover Necessary Roughness with Ben Koo from Awful Announcing. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.